Namaste, everybody. Welcome to the Level Up podcast. My name is Aaron Petty. I'm a yoga teacher, teacher trainer, but most importantly, a student of this great tradition. And my name is Paige Taylor. I'm a yoga teacher, student of Ayurveda, advocate for sustainable living and lover of all beings. Now, our goal with this podcast is to dive deep into how we as humans can live more intentional, ethical and sustainable lives. And also how we can come into harmony with ourselves, others and the earth in the process. And on this week's episodes, we're chatting to our good friend, Denise Batani. Denise has been practicing for yoga for 10 years and she's been a full-time yoga teacher locally and internationally for the past four years. Uh, since then, she's completed further study in Ayurvedic lifestyle consultancy, yoga therapy, and is a certified integrative health practitioner. Denise runs a business, it's called Her Wild Wellness, which acts as a p- platform of support and a space for offerings that encourage active participation in our own well-being, re-entering conversation with our intuition and aligning with nature. So welcome, Denise. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I like to just get straight into things. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about Ayurveda. Yes. And so for anyone who has never heard this word before, maybe they've been practicing asana for a while. They go to their vinyasa class, they do some asana. What is Ayurveda maybe in relation to yoga practice? So Ayurveda, it is a Sanskrit word and it mean, well, Ayur means life and Veda means knowledge. And in relation to yoga, traditionally yoga was never practiced without practicing Ayurveda. So it is a complete holistic system a complete holistic science um, and it's really just a way of life so it really encompasses food and you know lifestyle from all avenues sleep um, relationships and of course you know an asana physical practice yeah. and um, I've heard many times people say that yoga and Ayurveda are inseparable sciences mm, absolutely yeah. cool. so tell us where did, how did you get into all of this? How did you get into yoga and how did you get into Ayurveda? Well, I found yoga when I was 18 years old. And at the time, I was studying full-time. I was working at a bar. I was working night shift. I was, you know, finishing my shift at 4 a.m. Um, just trying to figure out who I was in the world and, and um, you know, how, how I wanted to be in the world. Um, But at the time, I wasn't super, I was just kind of getting into personal introspection and reflection. I was studying literature and poetry. um, And that really opened my my life up, you know, studying literature and poetry. Before that, I kind of lived in a little bit of a box. And I, um, yeah, I didn't see much of the world beyond my small peripheral, you know, vision. And then... um, yeah, when I started studying these beautiful, beautiful texts and, you know, some really classical literature and it sort of helped me view the world in a much more um, broad and vast way. And did you find, like, classical yoga texts through your yoga practice? No, so at this time... Like, just through study? N- no. Or you're not even talking about yoga texts? No, 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 just I'm like just talking about, like, yeah, 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 just, you know just the study of literature and poetry and then 
um, I found a yoga class one day, a hot yoga class, and I went with my friend. And um, the first class, my friend rolled up her mat 10 minutes in and left. And um, I finished the class and my life was completely transformed. I just knew that this that just touched me somewhere really deep and um, I became a little bit obsessive because that's just my nature and I was, yeah, I was, um, you know, practicing for two hours a day and um, practicing hot yoga for two hours a day and working and studying and um, so, yeah, it became, I'm sure we'll talk about the gunas, but my practice came quite rajasic and Mm. um, quite fiery and quite heavy and and really started to burn me out. So I feel like most... Most people that come into any kind of yoga practice come in from a place of like pure rajas. Yeah. I feel like tamas doesn't really lead you into any kind of action to mm-hmm. pull you out of it. And it's it's like the condition of our modern world is rajas. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And um, if the people listening to this have listened to any of our previous episodes, they probably know what that is. But maybe if they haven't, mm. should we dive into a quick overview of that? Of the gunas? Just like what is rajas? Yeah, you yeah. just use like it as a describing word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But without any context, like what does that look like in a lifestyle? So rajas is, you know, all about movement and transformation. And um, we'll, we'll definitely talk about the other two just for context. But um, yeah, so rajas is really what our modern world, our Western world is, is, is all about. It's about achieving and climbing ladders and... Um, getting as much into your time, into your day as you can and just burning the candle at both ends pretty mm. much. That's it's fire. Mm. Exactly, yeah. So, and so what did your lifestyle look like that at that point? You were saying you were practicing hot yoga two hours a day, working full-time, mm-hmm. studying full-time? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yes. I um, was the, like, epitome of Rajas. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, I came, I came into yoga, I was really trying to find myself and um you know my 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 upbringing and my life leading up to that I really thought it was normal to stress and to mm. to you know to just push 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 and and you know always have conflict and and stress and pressure in my life so I really thought that that was just the way that people lived and I think that we've spoken about this before of like going through the schooling system and it kind of being like it's the norm it's almost like glorified Mm. stress it's like wearing your burnout as a badge of honor is is what it's like yeah Yeah. it's like how much study did you do last night yeah i studied all night and like you know i i worked six shifts this week and i you know it's um and we'll talk about it but my course ojas and my lifestyle now is really completely the opposite of that and it is about completely undoing that that mindset and that that framework yeah cool and so where did you go from from that point so what did the burnout feel like um so i've i suffered with anxiety all my life um but it it came in stages and waves but at this time at this time it wasn't i was still quite young and and just you know i had the energy so it wasn't the burnout wasn't getting me to me so much, but there was something missing and I yeah. wasn't happy and I wasn't fulfilled. And the, but the yoga was making me feel so good. Mm. And, and, and it was really changing my life. And every time I would, you know, catch the train into study, I would just be thinking like, I can't wait to get to my yoga class tonight. I can't wait to get to my yoga class. And then one day I just said, why don't I just do what I love? Like, why, 
Yeah. Am I wasting my time? I could just do what I love every day. So I quit my course and I, um, yeah, went into a six-week intensive yoga teacher training. Wow. And where was that? That was a Krishna village in northern New South Wales. Cool. So you <clears> left... You just like got a plane up there and then it was like six six week immersion. It was six week immersion and you know, before before this I didn't have much of an exposure to the yoga culture apart yeah. from a hot yoga studio. Interesting. <clears throat> it's interesting because a lot of I don't want to say those yoga studios and categorize them all, but mm-hmm. a lot of um yoga in a Western sense is kind of like an exercise lacking spirituality and then i i feel like for a lot of people going to an immersive experience like that yoga all of a sudden becomes the spiritual container of Mm, life mm -hmm. and before that there's no spiritual container Mm, absolutely Um, so what was it like to go into that container and then come out of the other end um well i'll just talk a little about a little bit about the container just to like give a little bit of an overview but it was like I said, I didn't have much um, exposure to the yoga culture, if any. And then you went to Krishna Village. And I village. went to Krishna Village. Like full bhakti. And it's full bhakti, full devotion. You have to wake up at 4.30 every morning, do a yoga class. Um, you have to chant. You know, it's compulsory to chant um, during... It's compulsory, compulsory to do kirtan. Yeah, when I did the course, it was compulsory to do kirtan at lunchtime. We... Um, chanted at the end of every yoga class we chant before we eat every meal mm. um and when i got there and like everyone else because it was a very new place and i think we all did it because it was cheap and mm. it was like i said i was an all, all or nothing person so i wanted that six-week immersion even though i didn't really know what it looked like um and yeah it it really um it was intense it was a it was life-changing and mm. i don't you know I mean, I do say that a lot because a lot of things change my life. But it was truly like it was so different. And when we were chanting at the start, everyone was looking at each other like, oh, what is this? What are we doing? This is so awkward. And at the end, I remember one of the last days our teachers forgot to coordinate and they didn't show up to run the kirtan. And um, us yoga teacher trainees, we ran the kirtan ourselves. We knew all the chants like we just we wanted to be there and we loved it. And so coming out, um, just to go back to your question, coming out of that was such a culture shock. Mm. It was harder to leave than it was to go in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lot of people's experience. Yeah. Um, So I'd like to hear about how that integration process began. Like, how did you begin from that, like, really deep dive into bhakti, which for those who don't know is devotion, like... And you are really devotional in the way that you speak and the way that you you uh, share now. And I'm I'm interested in like you had this six week really devotional bhakti kind of training, and then you came out. And how did you begin to integrate devotion into your life? I think it's very important for me to be super transparent about this. And um, again, still an all or nothing person. So we learned about Ayurveda within that course. That was my first introduction. And I took it so literally. So like, I was like, I'm never eating a mushroom again. I'm never eating garlic and onion again. I'm going to eat all sattvic, which is another guna, the the, um, quality of of purity and and yeah. So we, I I left um, with that in mind and, and I wanted to be totally sattvic and eat sattvic and live the lifestyle. And it was 
really hard because I went back to work and I needed a little bit of that Rajas and it wasn't sustainable to live that way. Um, and it was also probably the most lonely time of my life, leaving leaving that community. That's so and funny. That's our last episode that we recorded. Was, really? Um, the whole premise of it was like um, how when you step the first few steps on the path, you become isolated from everything that you mm. knew. And there's like this grieving of who you were prior. A hundred percent. And like I just, it was really hard to identify with my friends and, and vice versa. They couldn't understand me anymore. And yeah. um, not that I was, you know, going out and preaching anything or, or trying to be different. I just had completely transformed. And it was very very confronting to come out and and just yeah feel so lonely and i didn't know where i where i fit in and then of course you know i started to find um you know people like you friends like you and communities and yeah it's it's been a long journey though and i think that's really important for people to know Mm. and um so timeline after that you started teaching straight away I started teaching straight away. Yeah. Like I went on to a yoga retreat, a, um, a yoga retreat on the Cook Islands from my teach training and the yoga teacher didn't show up. So I taught this retreat. <laughs> like the day after my teacher training, I, I taught this yoga wow. retreat. It was like the quickest anything had ever manifested. Like the guy um, who was taking over the retreat, he Set, he made us yell what we wanted to manifest at the sunrise. And I said, I want to be a yoga teacher. And then he was like, okay, like, do you want to start right now? You can teach this week. And I was wow. like, absolutely. Yeah. So then I taught and I've pretty much been teaching full time um, for the lot since I did my teach training in 2016. So apart from COVID, it's been um, a very big pause and a pause I needed. But yeah. Yeah. Great. And so how long did it take to transition out of working and into teaching um it took about i'd say six months i i came home and when i get these these pulls and these feeling and feelings in my heart like i'm not where i need to be it's it's very confronting and i was feeling that about teaching and i was you know trying to just work and make money but the like i just felt i need to just quit my job and 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 just teach and um it all fell into place it's been a really beautiful journey for me yeah Cool. And it was kind of all studio-based. Yeah, yeah, straight into studios. Um, I remember just on that, um, mm. before we move on, when I was um, in that phase, because I was like you, I didn't know you worked in bars, but I did that as well. Mm. And it was in, yeah, maybe like a six-month phase where I was like, I'd done my training, but I was still trying to balance that like nightclub mm. life. And I remember that I um, had this one customer and I – yelled at him for not using his manners mm. it was like 1am mm. and he was really drunk yeah and then at that point i was like okay i need to leave mm. it's yeah so it's a really strong and um it, it's it's a really like finite thing it's like this you can't do both can't. i wasn't working in a bar but yeah it's it, any other environment especially coming from a place like christian village it's just yeah it's hard to be in in an environment that doesn't align with how you want to live your life. Mm. There's a law of the gunas. Mm. Do you remember what it's called? David Frawley talks about it. It's like the law of... There's two laws. The law of continuity and the law of alternation. 
And what it says is that once you, like, so if you are rajasic and then you get a taste of sattva, nature pushes you so rapidly towards sattva that there's no going back to rajas. Mm. And I think that's what that feeling, that Mm. feeling is. Because I had the same thing in construction. And then I was like, oh, I could do this for a job. Mm. And I was like, okay, open a studio. Amazing, um, yeah. yeah. You are a great testament to that. <laughs> mm. Um, so yeah, maybe let's talk about that. Let's talk about the gunas a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Tell us um your take on the gunas. Mm. So the gunas are the quality, you know, of, of everything that exists in nature and and what what it's made up out of, you know, um, energetically, um, and. Yeah, so there's three gunas. There's sattva, rajas, and tamas. Do you know where the gunas come from? They come from uh, samkhya. Samkhya. Samkhya philosophy. Mm, yes. I think I just learned that in your yin training. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the gunas, they're, they're, they're a really nice touch point, um, a really beautiful, simple touch point um, when you're referencing kind of anything in your life, food, yeah. people, yeah. environments like relatable to all things within nature yeah yep mm-hmm. cool so give us a brief overview what is tamas so tamas is uh there's lots of different like just dis- main description words but i see it as as um like destruction or destruction. not destruction sorry um like ignorance. Okay. Yeah. yeah. On a mental level, for sure. Yeah, destruction's the wrong word. When I'm like a, a heaviness and yeah. and it's um a darkness and it's. Do you want like examples or? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, um, I find it easiest to speak about the gunas in terms of food. So, yeah, okay. um, and that's how I really relate it through Ayurveda mostly. Um, so. In terms of food, tamasic food would be like heavily processed, packaged, kind of no life, no prana, no energy um, foods. Or, um, you know, people say meat meat is tamasic um, and specifically meat in our day and age that's, you know, that's been uh, not created, that's been processed in a really inhumane way it carries that quality of that that darkness and that pain and that heaviness and also just like you just said the quality of destruction like mm. if if sattva is bringing us more towards life mm. tamas is bringing us more towards death yeah um and meat is an embodiment of that as a food mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um mental qualities mental qualities would be um like depression um just like a fogginess yeah lack of clarity mm, and like an inertia yeah and just a um yeah just an just an all over a heaviness and inability to move you don't have that rajas or um inability to you i see it as just this really dense density mm. density in the mind yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. um i think when i was in my teenagers, I went through like a really heavy depression, and mm. my experience of with that was mm. like I could not get out of bed in the morning. Mm. There was no will to get out of mm. bed in the morning. 
That's um, Thomas. Yeah, and I, I was just like so tired and I went to the doctor and they sent me to like a psychiatrist and they gave me some like antidepressants mm. but they made me even more mm. tamasic they mm -hmm. made me like so drowsy and my whole day was drowsy and i think the whole thing was like okay let's push you more towards tamas so you don't feel anything mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of the so way it's like a lack of feeling yeah a lack of feeling numbness yeah yeah, yeah. and and like that that translates to a physical level like it's, it's more than mental it becomes a physical stagnation and numbness a heaviness yeah absolutely um, and for a lot of people, that's reality. Mm. Um, so to, to move from tamas into rajas, mm. if it was that, that transition, what, what does rajas look like? Rajas is, I like to see it as like transformation. Um, and it is that fire we were talking about. Um, so it is a good thing. It is a good thing to have. And, and people often describe the gunas from um, positive to negative and um, we actually need all three so that's Paige important i actually had an argument about this one oh really on yeah the beach and, and Paige was at breaking point mm. and then we discovered that we were both correct okay what was the dispute it was that i agreed that um we need all three mm -hmm. and there needs to be a balance mm -hmm. and that Aaron was like that we want to move purely to Sattva mm. we but, want to move towards Sattva mm -hmm. but the, the issue was um, we were I was talking about like in relation to everything and Aaron yeah. was talking about mental qualities mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and really ideally we do want if we're talking about the mind we want it to be a Sattvic absolutely yeah, yeah yeah but yeah we like even whatsapped our teacher and was like who was right <laughs> <laughs> so a good it was like a five minute voice message we sent her. well a good like a relation point is how i was saying when i came out of my yoga teacher training i was trying to be all sattvic mm -hmm. and i was still living in this world and when we're living in this rajasic world like mm -hmm. we're always moving towards sattva of course but um, if we're working, like we need to be able, we even need a little bit of tamas in that, like that heaviness just to keep us a little bit. Like we're always moving towards sattva, but we have yeah. to understand we have all three, like the, yeah. the doshas. They're interrelational. Exactly. So yeah, rajas is, is movement and fire. And mental, mental rajas, what does that feel like? That would be like jealousy. Anxiety. Anxiety. anxiety yeah. Jealousy, anxiety, frustration. Mm. Um, it's like a whirlwind of emotions. Yeah. And there's really hot, fiery emotions. Yeah. yeah. Anger. Anger. Anger, that yeah. That was a cheeky stab at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about like creating situations in your head constantly that don't exist? Mm. What does this person think of me? Mm. What am I going to wear to the party next week? Mm. Who am I going to talk to at the party next mm. week? And that, that, and you know, it kind of tears down. So that type of mental um, activity would lead into tamas because it's just like the burning out and, and you'll just create an overall heaviness. Yeah. And then like coming out of a tamasic state into rajas, like asana practice, especially hot yoga practice, mm. is it can be such a purifying mm. thing. And I yeah. think that's a lot of people will come out of tamas into rajas as a yoga practice being hot vinyasa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that would have been the case for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for Same sure. Yeah. And it, so on a physical level, it's just a lot of movement, doing a lot of things at once. Yeah. Like those really something. hardcore 
you know, gym classes at 5.30 in the morning and... Um, I've seen some gyms do like a 4 a.m., 4.15 a.m. class. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, anytime those really high intensity, that's Rajas, those yeah. real high intensity workouts, yeah. yeah. And then food? Food, Rajasic food is, um, it's an interesting one that, you know, it's spoken about a lot in Ayurveda, but it's like spices and... Like things that are stimulating? Stimulating, Coffee? yeah. Coffee, caffeine, yeah, any caffeine, green tea, chocolate is rajasic. Um, yeah, spices, anything that's decaf stimulating. Um, <laughs> I've just gotten on the decaf. Oh, you have? Yeah, I'm like maybe six weeks in. Yeah, decaf's, a, quit. Yeah. decaf's an interesting one because um, the it, it's another conversation. <laughs> but it's like the way it's pro, it's still a processed thing. Yeah. So, yeah, but of course, like if caffeine's not serving you, and you're trying to move out of Rogers, then great. Yeah, it's really slowed my digestion down. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine Kappa, man. <laughs> um, cool. So then moving into Sattva, mm. we've spoken to this a little bit more. Yeah. But moving towards the qualities of? Purity, bliss. Lightness. Lightness, yeah. Mm. Cool. And so in in a, in a mental lens, what does that feel like? What does that look like? I the, In our episode, we were talking about specifically about meditation and the mind mm-hmm. and how a tamasic mind would fall asleep in meditation. A rajasic mind wouldn't see the point. Mm. And a sattvic mind is ripe for meditation mm-hmm. because yeah. it's still in calm. It's, yeah, it's still in calm. Exactly. Perfect environment mentally for, for that. And it's, yeah, yeah love, bliss, devotion. And sattvic foods um you know anything that's full of that prana that life force that energy that's that's you know giving you life it's you're receiving and 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 yeah giving back and this might be a tangent but um can there be a food that's sattvic for one person and not sattvic for another person like a hundred billion percent yeah okay. absolutely yes and that's cool. the point of ayurveda yeah so yeah. it's creating a lifestyle that serves you and your specific makeup yes absolutely cool mm, yeah okay. so um what constitutes a person's makeup how do we know how we are as individuals and what we need and what can move us towards sattva as an individual well again um, looking towards nature so Ayurveda you know is a science of life and it, it is really based on nature and um, understanding the elements um, that exist outside also exist within us what exists in nature what exists on the macro exists in the micro mm-hmm. and once we have and what I love about Ayurveda is that it's it's it can be as simple or as in-depth as you need it to mm-hmm. be and it and it really helps you to become self-sufficient, which is why I love the science so much because once you generate this understanding of the qualities that exist in nature and then the qualities that exist within you, you can really take, you know, um, take a unique a unique and nourishing approach to your life. Yeah, mm. for sure. So um, if we look at the Samkhya map, there's like the gunas at the top and they're in the mind level or the mm. astral level. Mm-hmm. Then it moves down into energy and there's like the chakras and the elements. And then from the elements, what do we receive? The doshas. The doshas. Yeah. So tell us about the doshas. <laughs> what are the doshas? The doshas are, uh, the, they are 
our natural constitution. And hang on, let's take a step back mm-hmm. um, to the elements. The elements, Actually, yeah. Actually, yeah, the Mahabhutas. The Mahabhutas, yeah. So they're, they're the, the, so we have the qualities of natures in mm-hmm. the of natures. How mm-hmm. many are there? Natures. All I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have the qualities of nature, which are the gunas. Three qualities. And then we take a step down. We move into energy. We'll just scrap that for the moment. But I think the Mahabhutas, the the um, elements are where we, we get our physical reality. Mm. Um, so can you maybe talk to them first? Yeah. And then how they relate to the doshas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the Pancha Mahabhutas, the five Mahabhutas are fire, water. Oh, I'll start from uh, the start. <laughs> There's ether. Uh, air, fire, water, earth. Great. Mm. And um, yeah, the the main elements, they are the elements that make up nature. What were you going to say? No, I just think that the elements are such a really comprehensible Such a comprehensible system. Because it's like, oh, we all know from a very experiential level that mm. like fire is hot, water is wet, earth is dense, mm. and air is not here mm. like we, we can't really perceive it and mm. then ether is is on a whole other level mm. well um, air we can perceive but we can ether we, is yeah yeah but yeah, it, yeah. it's very difficult to perceive it, it mm. it's kind of like where um the the physical reality and the energetic mm. merge mm. um so there's those five elements which people can really understand and then to take those into um the what are they called they've again? simplified it even further yeah, from those five elements yeah and they've, they've turned it into the doshas which is the three natural constitutions yes. or, yeah so um they've grouped them um and so we've got vata which is the ether and the air we've got pita which is fire and earth and then we have uh kapha which is earth and water and um this is where it gets really exciting or really beautiful is that how graspable is that yeah. and and um we all have a ratio of of all three doshas yeah, so um, from the elements our mm, bodies are created yeah 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 and our minds and everything yeah so from the elements that we we can understand the doshas and then once we understand the elements in relation to the doshas, then we can really understand our own body and um, our own natural tendencies. Cool. So let's um, let's do the same as we did with the gunas. Let's yeah. talk about the doshas, starting with kapha. Maybe let's start with what dosha means. Okay. What does dosha mean? The So dosha is our natural tendencies, our natural makeup, and it also means imbalance, which is something pretty important to talk about. Yeah. Um, and so we have our prakriti, which is uh, the makeup of the doshas that we are naturally born with. Um, and then we have our vrikriti, which is uh, our current imbalances, which are generally influenced by lifestyle, environment, diet, relationships, etc. Mm. Mm. And so prakriti is kind of like dharma. So yeah. it's like when you are balanced, prakriti your in alignment with your nature absolutely and, and your natural makeup mm. and um yeah a lot of people don't of course when you're first getting into it you don't really understand that it's so two-sided and you're always trying to get back to your prakriti your yeah. original nature yeah. and um 
you're always trying to really pacify your vrikriti, your current imbalances. So, yeah, again, it's 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 one of those things. Um, it can be a bit of a fad nowadays, like people talking about their dosha, but yeah. they're talking about their imbalances. So, yeah. I, I have a question mm. um, that you may be able to answer. When we're children, are we closest to our prakriti and then we tend to go out of balance from there? Yeah. I was the most kapha baby yeah. you've ever seen. I mm. looked like the Michelin man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, like yeah, roll yeah. after roll after roll. Yeah. And um, I did a lot of things when I was a kid, like just natural, that was how I acted Mm. and that was how I lived and I was interested in certain things. Mm. And I really went away from that and I've found the more I come into balance, the more I am exactly the person I was when Mm. I was a small child. That is, you've absolutely encapsulated it. Yeah, like I take joy from the same things. Mm. so yeah, I think it's the, there must be something to be said around like inner child and prakriti. Mm, that's it. That's the whole point, and um, that's really a great thing to mention because my upbringing and my lifestyle, I have way more kapha in my constitution than I even ever really noticed, <laughs> even after studying this for years, and. Um, my entire upbringing and lifestyle never nurtured that. Mm. And so now, like I've created a course around Ojas, which is like the subtler essence of Kapha. And I'm totally moving into that essence. And it was Mm. something I never envisioned for myself. I mean, you heard how I was spending my days um, when I first came into this. And now it's all about rest and retreat and nourishment and, yeah, juiciness and and it's made you so much more productive. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's start with kapha then. Mm. If we're looking at the three doshas, let's start with kapha. What were the two uh, elemental qualities? Kapha is earth and water. Earth and water. So earth is like heavy. Mm. And when earth gets wet, mm. it turns into like muddy clay. Yeah. That's what. That's the feeling I get from kapha. Mm, that's really nice description. So, so how can we look at the the doshas like a physical? What does a like a physical kapha body type mm. look like? So, a physical kapha body is is uh, much more generally, um, and this is all just like a note. This is all general. So, yeah. I mean, everybody's different, and um, you'll be surprised, you know, how much they can cross over. But um, kapha generally is like bigger boned really beautiful plump soft skin long juicy hair um, long lustrous hair sorry um you know bigger lips big those big gorgeous round eyes um yeah that's like like curly thick hair Mm. i always feel like brown like brown curly hair yeah feels kapha to me it is yeah um and then like a pers- personality traits of kapha? Yeah, so a kapha person is is always generally quite grounded, nurturing, maternal. Um, in When they're in balance, when they're in their prakriti, um, when they're experiencing imbalance, it can be that real um, tamas, that heaviness, mm-hmm. that depression, that inertia, that attachment because mm-hmm. um, they don't want to move, they're heavy. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so it can it can be so beautiful. It can be nurturing and maternal and um, grounded and it's like the most too far. loving person. Mm, the you've most ever loving met. person. With that the person. Best hugs. That with the best hugs. Hey. <laughs> yeah, that person you just want to 
cuddly you yeah. know that just hold yeah. you when you're not feeling great yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so that's like a straight cuffer and yeah i yeah. think that's a really good um, point that you made of just like it's never just one thing yeah often there'll be a mixture so when we're talking to the to the doshas right now mm-hmm. we're talking straight kapha like the qualities of kapha. to one thing yes but yeah. we have all three we all yeah. have all three just yeah, at different ratios yeah and so it could be like if you're a kapha type it's like 70 percent 80 percent kapha and a little bit less of the others yes yep um cool so what does pitta look like so pitta is uh they're usually described medium they're like medium um like muscular they usually have lighter skin um more susceptible to that to the sun and everything they're hot enough so on the internal so oh, the elements what are the elements of pitta sorry the elements of pitta are fire and earth fire and, i thought it was fire and water fire and water fire and, i don't know one of the one it's of the fire other. and water yeah yeah yeah. so yeah. fire and water go together the mm. water becomes it moves it bubbles mm. and boils mm. and it, it becomes hot to the touch and um those two elements pitta can be quite in, like when they're imbalanced they're really imbalanced and and that's because the the fire and the water are so different that they really complement yeah. each other yeah. Yeah, yeah so qualities yeah so um medium build they they can kind of gain or lose weight easily with the kapha they um, put on weight a lot easier um, they generally have straight hair they can often have blue eyes hyper flexible hyper flexible um, and yeah, then that's like physical. you know those people I'm one of those people that just has hot hands and feet all hot, the time hot 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 and Paige yeah is like the coldest hands and feet yeah all the yeah, time. yeah 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 that's me too it's it's the fire yeah, yeah. hot they can they, their skin gets flushed um, much quicker um they yeah like if they were if a pitta person was to experience a pitta related imbalance it would be like inflammation and like acne or you know inflammation of the joints or yeah Mm. Mm. cool that's an interesting one like they have an inherent like disease quality i don't want to say like disease quality Mm. but like dis-ease quality they all when they're not at ease there's like a specific quality Mm. of, of pitta imbalance and mm-hmm. it manifests as yeah, yeah. and yeah. even if you don't have much pitta in your uh constitution if i mean you could be the cafferous person in the world but if you're living in the desert eating spicy food and drinking coffee like you could experience pretty high and it's like pitta. D- just the way that fire operates it's yeah. like if you are in especially in like a vata environment that's like dry and brittle mm. like if you put fire on that the whole thing is going to go up and blaze yes absolutely Cool. So like a personality, like really driven. Yeah. So in balance, Peter is, um, you know, they get things done before they even start. They're all <laughs> ambition. Um, they're really, you know, they they know what they want and they know how to get it. And they're, they're really organized. Um, they're great leaders, great people to, to, you know, hire on your team as leaders. Um, and then on an imbalance level, they're, um, you know, it's again, those fiery rajasic qualities they can really experience some anger frustration jealousy yeah hot-headed tendencies and snappy snappy yeah (laughs) anger yeah cool and then what's the final final dosha the final dosha is vata which is the ether and the air yeah that's Um, such a like a stark contrast 
Mm. And especially since Kaffa and Pitta f- share water, like they share yeah, the water yeah, yeah. element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is like on and its Vata's own. Vata is like completely separated. So Vata is the, the catalyst for the other two. So without Vata, um, Pitta and Kaffa can't move. So yeah, I've heard that's like the container. It is, yeah. It's, it's kind of the vehicle for... It's the vehicle for Kaffa and Pitta, just like Ojas is the vehicle for... Um, I've lost my words. Ojas is the vehicle for... Tejas. Tejas and, and prana. Um, prana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, which we can talk about as well. But um, yeah, Vata is in a general, um, you know, Let's start with the elemental type. qualities of like air and ether. Mm. What do they feel like? They're like air, if there's too much wind... Mm. things get dry 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 like what do you do when you're when you take the washing out like your wet sopping Mm. wet clothes Mm. you put them out on a windy day exactly yeah so body dry yeah go for it Mm. yeah so um they generally because they have so much air and space in in their in their constitution there's not much of them so Mm. generally um they can be quite bony um always quite thin really tall or really short um they generally have probably have thinner hair or or frizzy frizzy type of um wavy hair um stiff like stiff joints i always find the difference between like a vata type body and a pitta type body Mm. is like the flexibility of their joints or a vata and a kapha Yeah, yeah yeah um stiff yeah just generally um just way more inclined towards drier things drier hair um cold smaller eyes cold yeah cold hands mm. um and then like personality tendencies yeah so avatar and balance um they're you know great spiritual practitioners um they're way they're really inclined towards spirituality whereas kapha it's a lot harder for a kapha person to move into spirituality or to grasp things that aren't tangible so Pitta is that, uh, sorry, Vata is that creative, um, really creative person and and they can kind of, but they've got that air so they'll be on one project and then they'll move into the next project with just as much enthusiasm and just as quickly. Um, And they can, yeah, again, grasp the intangible. So, um, yeah, great artists, great spiritual practitioners um, when not in balance, when when experiencing imbalance. um, all of that movement and air in their uh, constitution can generally make them really anxious, um, scattered, foggy. So one of your um, most loved topics to talk about is the subtle essences. Mm. Um, And one of yoga's most loved topics to talk about is prana, Mm. which is the subtle essence of vata. Mm -hmm. And the other two don't really get much. Mm-mm. I'd never even heard of either of them, like Tejas or Ojas. I'd never heard of until this year. Mm. And I mean, I've been meditating for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it's always prana, 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 prana. Prana is this, prana gives life, pranayama, let's breathe deeply. Um, but being the subtle essence of vata, what does that mean? Does that mean it's drying? No, prana, I mean, it, it means it means it's it's it gives us life and and it um it connects us to that which is beyond us it Mm. it, prana really is the vehicle to being in conversation with something higher than yourself and and it's life it's energizing 
which you know from you you love your pranayama. <laughs> um, but that's a really good point to make because that was my experience learning as well. And it was all prana, prana, prana. And it was all... Um, it was all transcending the body. Mm. And, and, and that can be really like, that can put you out of balance really quickly. Mm-hmm. If you're a vata constitution like me. And um, so I've done a lot of trainings and, and a lot of my experience with my trainings is all that intense pranayama and, and all that, um, even the tejas, it's like concentration and all these things. And ojas and kapha just totally get missed in, in our yeah. society. Well, And I think it is, it's like a societal thing. It is, it's a societal thing because completely. Because our society tells us that beauty is vata. Yeah. Our society tells us that beauty is vata. That real, um, if you think about like a yoga body, if you think mm. about what you what we have been I mean, it's totally changing. But we had previously been conditioned, which is there's nothing wrong with a yoga body, but we don't all have to have that yoga body. And that's Ashtangi yoga body. An Ashtangi yoga body that's like super flexible and can get into any pose and long and, um, you know, thin. It's, it's, so yeah, I've, I've, I've fallen in love with something that's quite, um, quite subtle and, um, something we're not taught to appreciate. Yeah, yeah, especially sure. as women. So yeah. So let's let's hear these subtle essences. The first mm. one is prana, which I think we've done a whole episode on this. Okay, maybe. great. Yeah. Um, so prana is what gives life to all things. Mm. Um, what is the subtle essence of pitta? It is tejas. Which is? It is uh, like transformation yeah and and it's um is it quite fiery tejas yes agni Agni is tejas agni is tejas so we've got prana which relates to pitta Mm. and it relates to agni um and it relates it's that more solar like if Mm. you're thinking about yin and yang it's the yang um Mm. if you're thinking about lunar solar it's the solar um yeah and it's it's about like concentration and um, of course, like we need all of them. It's beautiful. But again, it's what we're taught in a lot of our trainings um, Mm. to focus on. And um, yeah, anything you wanted to say about Tejas? I know there's five airs or five winds of Vata Mm. and there's five fires of Tejas Mm. being like um, Jatara Agni, Buddha Agni. Mm. So it's like digesting. Mm. Um, I'm interested, we'll talk about Ojas now, mm. but is there five somethings of Ojas? Mm. There yeah. is? Yeah, 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 of course. Can you tell us about Ojas then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ojas is the subtle essence of Kapha. Um, and so if you think about the, the Kaphic qualities... Um, There's a new word for me, Kaphic. I love it. Mm. Um, if you think about the, the Kaphic qualities, um, yeah, it's oh, it's such a vast concept. And I, I really want to um, kind of just start from the top with Ojas. So we have mentioned a lot of Sanskrit words. Um, and Sanskrit is such a... A beautiful language it's a spiritual language and it was never intended to be used in a household it's it's a spiritual yeah. language and um and a lot of sanskrit words have many meanings and ojas is a great example of this so um ojas can be understood as spiritual and scientific 
as tangible and intangible as manifest and unmanifest and um it is you know on a tangible level it is our immunity and our vitality that is created through um digest proper digestion of our food and when we eat you know really sattvic full of life foods and our foods digested properly goes through a um digestive process and it nourishes all of our bodily tissues and that's what gives us our vitality and our immunity um but on a spiritual and and less tangible level it it is um the essence of love and Mm -hmm. devotion and bhakti and um yeah it's it's those when we have a bounty of ojas within our body we have those kafic qualities we've got we're you know we're really loving and devotional and maternal and grounded yeah i'm interested because you said vata is the dosha that is kind of the container for the other two mm. but on a subtle level mm. ojas is the container for tejas and prana is yeah. that correct yeah Yep, definitely. So, so it kind of flips everything on its head. Mm-hmm. And this is what made me create my course, so just for women, because um, I was doing all of these really well-known and beautiful trainings, mm. um, yoga trainings in pranayama and mantra and, and Ayurveda. And um, they, the practices made me feel really good, but it wasn't sustainable. Mm. I couldn't sustain the practices. It just, they weren't sticking. And then I learned you know, I started to learn about ojas and I learned that unless ojas is sufficient, we, we cannot um, sustain those practices that, you know, the, the, the other yogic practices. We need that groundedness. We need that, um, yeah, that really, we need to be grounded in our body before yeah. we transcend it. Definitely, yeah. definitely. It, it's like a, um, again, it's, it's a container. It's, mm. and, and without that bounty of, of groundedness, mm. I think the highest practices are not even accessible Absolutely. because you just end up letting go of your body. Mm. And if you let go of your body, there's no embodiment mm. at all. And like with, you know, uh, the modern yogic practices uh, that we've all, we've spoken about, we've all practiced, it's how can I how can I push my body so I can get beyond it? And mm. how, how can I get my mind beyond my body? How can I, you know, push myself mentally? It's interesting just like if you take a wider perspective of this, mm. like even even further from yoga, it's mm. like how can I bring that back and have a really positive loving impact in the world? Mm. Um, because, you know, right now we're living in a time where the, the earth is so fragile. Mm and decaying Mm. um and we don't need any yogis that are transcending the body like Mm. that's been done Mm. and they left us the knowledge to go where they've been to bring it back into the world Mm. and become that force of change and and become a force of healing and a force of nature and that can't happen i believe until we get into our bodies and we we have you know we're so lucky to have this knowledge and to learn it's it's a responsibility for mm-hmm. each of us to learn what uniquely nourishes us so we yeah. can be of service in the world and we can do all the things we want to do and he- heal the earth. Yeah. 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 So what do you feel like right now um, compared to what you, what you spoke about at the start of this episode? Mm. You were saying, you know, you were quite out of balance. You'd been working. You were kind of on the verge of burnout. Mm. What does um, nourished 
full of, oh, just Denise feel like now and what mm. does your life look like now? I mean, it has been a tough year and I, of course I'm, I'm going to always be working towards this because it's, it's something that I don't naturally have so much of. Yeah, it needs to be maintained. Maintained, yeah. And so, um, but now just with this awareness and this, this self-awareness, I feel I have a real deep love for myself, for my body. And especially as a woman, it's just, you know, the opposite of what we're taught. And when I'm, when I've rested in a day now, I, that's a successful day. If I've granted myself rest, that's, I've been productive. If I haven't, that's an unsuccessful day. Yeah. And you can feel that too, the, the mm. effects of that. Yeah. It's a huge contrast. And I, you know, of course I'm, I'm still learning and I, I, I have my days, but I'm able to anchor myself into my body and my practice so much quicker mm. now. And, um, it's so accessible for people. That's what I love. Like my course is so gentle and it's mm. it's tangible and it's just really simple things we can we can do every day to um feel this way that, you know, I can I can feel and you can feel and grounded and devotional and full of love and connected to the heart and in conversation with something higher than than ourselves. I think that's the most beautiful thing about what you share is that this course that you offer, or just woman, is the product of your embodiment. It, it's mm. literally like what you felt compelled to share with the world through your embodiment of these practices, and I, I think that's really beautiful. Um, Thank you. Paigey is doing your course at the moment. Paigey, have you have you taken any takeaways from it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm quite similar and um, quite often experience like a vata imbalance. Um, and really the last year, year and a half, I've been coming out of like quite a rajasic, um, lifestyle and my body has obviously taken a toll. Um, and like the start of this year, I was convinced I had chronic fatigue because mm. I just like, I'd let my body rest and my body just like needed so much more than I mm. ever thought it needed. Um, and yeah, so funny when I met you last year and you started speaking to me about Ayurveda, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the missing piece. Like, and I was really interested in some kind of holistical um, science of lifestyle and of healing, um, but nothing really resonated until I like heard you speak about it. Um, and then, yeah, it wasn't until... I guess a few months ago now that I decided to take your course because as much as I'd like to believe I didn't need it, I did. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I'm Virgo, so I like to think that everything's perfect. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it has been such an incredible few months. Um, I've never felt so nourished um, and I've never felt so like connected to myself, mm. like uh, being able to understand my natural tendencies, um, physical, mental, in all aspects has been so incredible. Um, and not only that, but the practices in this course, and I'm sure you'll go into it a little bit, but they're so simple, like you said, mm. um, and so easy to integrate into my life um, that it's been so powerful. And, and it's been funny because I've been reading the last few modules recently and I'm just like, wow, you know, sadhana doesn't have to be this like typical, you know, asana practice. And it's like, that's been huge for you. Yeah. Mm. Like the last 12 months has been your theme. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, my sadhana is, you know, 
so like it's all throughout my day it's like at night I put my dates in my almonds and mm. my water to soak for my morning yeah, beautiful. you know I tongue scrape and I do this and I do that mm. um but that's been really powerful is creating that kind of routine because I know that it nourishes me mm. not because I feel like I need to do this because I and know. you know that it nourishes you like you're not doing you have a choice of many practices mm-hmm. and what resonates with you and nourishes you is what you will do and that doesn't have to look like anybody else's practice 100 percent. yeah it's um it's been really really amazing i was gonna say something else but i feel like i've forgotten it Mm. now so maybe tell us a little bit about how the course is structured Mm. i might just talk a little bit about i feel like it's like we know this concept and we're talking about it and um but for somebody who's listening who doesn't i I use it like quite an extreme example of what OJS is, but I think it's important. Like it's a really graspable way of, so um, I, I created this course at the start of the year. I had been working on it, but um, I recently did this little meditation course that it was about kind of seeing your shadow and integrating your shadow. And my shadow was really dried out and like, you know, just, totally lacking zest for life and um just yeah just this really dry shriveled version of myself and I think I am so in love with this concept is because my mother battled with addiction and by the time I got old enough to like really probably understand it she had already been so far gone but I see pictures of my mum when she was young and she was like juicy and like playful she's so playful in all her pictures and full of life and because of her addiction she became so drawn out and so dry and constricted and totally lacking that love and zest for life so the concept is really tangible for me in that way like um being really seeing what the absence of her just looks like and yeah knowing what I want to create within myself really being able to see it and and physically understand it and I think with any practice you should really know why you're doing it and have a very personal relatable reason otherwise again your practice isn't sustainable so what could be like some some uh signs that you're lacking or just Mm, yeah so um you know, well, some, maybe we could first talk about what depletes your ojas. Yeah, okay. yeah. So um, obviously, as we said, it's it's the byproduct of proper digestion. So <clears throat> what depletes your ojas is, um, you know, obviously bad foods, anything that could mess with your digestion, overuse of technology. Um, ojas is most potent in our reproductive tissue. Mm-hmm. So um, our digested food goes through a process and if it makes it to our reproductive tissue, that's when we can really um, uh, embrace our ojas. And so um, it shows up in fertility. If you're having fertility issues, um, then that can be a sign of low ojas. Um, you know, early aging. We think aging is such a normal thing and it is, of course, but like a lot of things that we um, – tag as aging and just you know an imbalance and and it's so easily corrected um what are some other ones um things that deplete or just yeah like excess travel anything that really exasperates vata is um something that would deplete your just um 
And I've switched from signs to um, things that deplete. That's fine. Yeah. Back to signs. So back to signs. Yeah. So just, um, yeah, just being dry. You don't have that juicy kaffirness in your in your body. Um, and mentally, like lacking that love and that devotion and that zest for life and that love for life. Um, and you know, feeling that anxiety or or that anger. Um, yeah, they're all signs of of lower just, but it's obviously way more in depth than we can cover um in just like a little conversation cool so now tell us about your course a little bit because it's it seems like you this is the pinnacle of your work so far Mm. and and it's what you're really passionate about so what do you a, a very brief overview of like what you take people through yeah so um at the moment, the course is, is for women, um, which is a whole... Do you think you open it up to men? Yeah, I think um, I'm I'm looking at rebranding, um, but it's it wasn't intentional. I just always knew I would work with women. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a whole nother conversation, but it's about like, you know, my lineage and um, what, I'm, what I missed out on you know, all of this stuff is, is kind of a thing I think you would be, all of this knowledge is something you would sort of be passed down from, from woman to woman and, yeah. um, you know, down your lineage and, and we're lacking that, I think, within the community of women and, of course, like it's not an ex- exclusion of men or anything. Yeah. It's just um, what my heart told me to do. So um, it's for women. Yeah, it's for Continue. women. Um, and it is... Uh, it has six modules, um, but at the start we sort of just go through, um, you know, the importance of creating a, a ritual and a practice that is unique and nourishing to you. And I try to really drum that in. If something doesn't feel great, that's okay. You know, try something else. And um, but don't just do it because don't just not do it because you know really explore. It's an in depth exploration Mm. and I think I've said to you that um it was so interesting because I felt like some of the practices I was already intuitively doing Mm. or I knew that was a practice I should be doing Mm -hmm. um and then when you gave me permission to explore them and to find the practice that worked for me I you know aligned myself so well with certain practices um that really did nourish me Mm. and within this course like your I'm happy for your sadhana to be one breath in the morning or, you know, something so simple or something so in-depth. It's what is not, what you need at this point in your life. So, um, yeah, we just basically go through uh, six modules, which are really the pillars um, of creating Orgis for me, which we start with food. It's obviously the most important, food and digestion. Um, and then we move straight into the heart. It's a really light and sweet module about just creating conversation with our heart, connecting to our heart daily, because it is from the heart that our Orgis is able to circulate through our body. Um, it is just is stored at our heart, which is something that's important. Um, and then we move into our third module, which is rhythms, um, which is really about connecting to the earth, the movement of the earth, the rhythms of the earth, and um, really restoring our sleep. Sleep is so important. Um, then we move into lunar, connecting to the cycles and rhythms of the moon. Um, and then we move into anoint, which is a new module. It's just a fun one, just about, you know, beauty rituals, ancient beauty rituals, low-tox living. Um, 
which of course protects our Urjas. And then our last module is devotion, um, where we really, we that's where we start our spiritual practice. In the last mm-hmm. module, once we have that strong bounty and foundation of Urjas, um, we're grounded in our body, we're connected to our body, then we move into those deeper styles of spiritual practice and we, uh, yeah, we, we start to create conversation with something higher than ourselves. if that's not already a daily practice for us. I just find it so beautiful because it's, that's, that's the, the sequence that we should fall into spiritual yeah. practice and it's always so backwards to mm. that. It's just like you just get shocked into something, mm-hmm. you, you start a yoga practice and you have no context. And mm. it, I really love that you're giving people the context to step into a, a mm. yoga practice or a sadhana. Mm. Yeah. There you go. And um, I think it's so interesting because, like, for me, that, that was something I never really understood. And, you know, like you said, there's all these trainings. that It's all about prana and, um, you know, all your practice is always about prana, like prana this, prana that. And I always felt so resistant to, like, really deep pranayama or... Um, really like energizing pranayama especially being like quite vata it would just like throw me out of the world Mm. um and i never really understood why until this course and i was like oh my gosh it makes so much sense same and that was the same i was like what is wrong with me why don't why aren't these practices sticking or why am i feeling worse like sometimes they made me feel really good but being a vata constitution i don't need that air i don't Mm. need that that crazy practice i i i need that deep body grounding um so yeah it's what i needed in my Mm. it's what i needed in my spiritual journey my self-love journey um my connecting back to my body journey and Mm. so that's what i created and it is simple it is a simple course and i make no apology for that because when life is complicated and as we spoke about rajasic the remedy is simplicity and simple living and um yeah, I, it's what I needed and now it's what I can offer, which is really, you know, special to me. And yeah. So if you have one little simple piece of wisdom that you can impart on our listeners today, what is that? It is that nobody knows more about you and your body than you know. So no, you know, nobody knows what you need in a practice in food in in anything more than you know and you just have to trust yourself enough to look inward and ask yeah i love that Hmm. and um where can people find you so i have um an instagram account which i post on regularly it is her wild wellness um and my website is herwildwellness.info and yeah they're my main two platforms you can find me on there We'll pop you in the um, uh, podcast description as well. So they'll be able to find you pretty easily. Awesome. Cool. All right. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Um, That is it for our episode. And if you are listening to this point, thank you so much. Like we really, really appreciate you listening. And and thank you, Denise, for being here. We appreciate you you just coming in to talk to us. Thank you. Our first ever guest. I know. What an honor. I'm so honored. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, My first ever podcast. So, really? (laughs) Yeah. Cool. I've never done this before. I hope I did okay. It was so perfect. It's good.
Um, so yeah, if you're listening and you got something out of today's episode, if you enjoyed this conversation, you know, all we ask is that you share it with someone. Just share it with anyone. Share it with um, a woman in your life. Mm. Um, and if you didn't already know, we do have an online yoga studio. Um, we upload four new classes every month. And these reflect the four pillar system of yoga that we offer at Level Up. So Maybe like, we could get Denise to do a class in yeah. the online studio. Mm, we could do like a yin ojas. Yes. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so we offer solar, lunar, yin and breath and med. Um, and this is a complete weekly practice that can be modified to suit your evolving needs as a yoga practitioner. And the class library is constantly growing and contains our most potent practices. If you want to stay updated with us, you know where to find us. Levelup.yoga, literally anywhere. Website, Instagram, whatever, Facebook. Facebook group, if you want to join us for a live meditation every now and then. Um, and if you live in Melbourne, we run a studio. It's in Berwick. And um, we run classes, workshops, and all of our teacher trainings from there. And, um, you know, everything that we've spoken about today, we go into depth in our trainings about. And it's, it's really, we're trying to bring this richness into all of our courses. And we're so happy to have met you, Denise, mm. because you have taught us so much about this stuff. And, and I think also, since that first conversation that we had at um, that, the Kirtan, mm it's really sparked something for page nine like you've sparked a journey for us to go and learn more about this stuff and, oh, and i'm so grateful for that <laughs> awesome and i've obviously learned so much from you too as well yeah um so yeah if you are listening and you want to connect with us please reach out we love to chat denise loves to chat mm. um, <laughs> send us a message send us a voice message we love to hear from you guys and um if there's anything that you want out of us podcast wise let us know we're always open to suggestions and um yeah we'll see you next time om om om